0: Okay, we'll begin where we left off at last week. Uh, let's just kind of do a, a kind of a short review, maybe a little lengthy one also. First, we would like to recognize that we discussed the fact very fairly about the fact that Hesed, even though it is not one of the seven laws of Noah, and is not precluded even as a law but looking at many sources, including uh, so far what we've seen in the introduction uh, in the book by the Kofitz kind and Ahava Chesed, that it is certainly an obligation that is incumbent upon all human beings on the face of the earth. And so with that, we would like to say, even though it's not a commandment, it absolutely is an obligation. Uh, we discussed a little bit in detail the difference between obligation and a commandment so we'll not go back into detail on that but what we have seen so far as we discovered in the introduction uh, to uh, Al-Hava Chesed book by the Khan that many of the examples in fact all the examples I think that we've looked at so far are examples of Noites. Uh, it begins uh, with I can't remember exactly. Let's go back and just look at um, We know that the Torah begins with an act of, of, of chesed, and it also ends with an act of chesed. Um, but we were told that many of the individuals, and again, this is prior to Sinai, they were all performing acts of chesed. Just to name a few, of course, was Noah's sons. His two sons, Shem and Japheth. Uh, that had covered their father up because of his nakedness. And again, that was a, uh, even though him and uh, David was not commanded that, they did perform it. We looked at many of the other people that we found within the context of the text of the, of the Torah uh, that were also performing these acts. For example, we found that Abraham, of course, uh, he chose, by the way, to use Crescent as his way of serving God, and, again, many others throughout the text. So we actually, are just really got into the introduction of the Copus book. And so I think we've gotten to page 26, and we'd like to pick back up on page 26. And he says... I therefore conclude that there is no end, indeed, to the chesed mentioned in the Torah. He goes on to tell us that there are many positive and negative commandments that emanate from this virtue of chesed. And he uh, tells us uh, many of these are, of course, the forgotten sheaves at the corner of the harvest that's filled with the poor, the tithe of the poor, and the Shemitah. Uh, which is only, of course, a sabbatical year to God. And many of these, of course, have to deal with the people of Israel specifically in the land and how they should perform these acts of chesed. Uh He goes on to tell us that in Exodus 20-11, uh, But the seventh year you shall let it rest and allow that the poor your people may eat with you. And again, that's specifically for the people of Israel. And then he goes on to tell us, he says, then there is a command to return to excuse me, to return lost property. The Torah admonishes us to guard the possessions of a fellow Jew, and in this case I would also say that since it's a act of chesed, then we should be admonished to safeguard and guard the possessions of all individuals. And he goes on to say, even the oracle in questions is only worth a petula. One must take the trouble to restore it to its rightful owner. Now, I know there are many cases it seems in the town that uh, restoring uh, uh, ownership to something may digress a little bit from actually restoring it to a non-Jew, but cuss it. Remember this, this whole idea of following the way and imitating the creator. We would have to say that even though there might be some objections to this, I would say that returning lost property to every individual would also be performing an act of chesed. He says, Helping to load and unload, Nexus 23.5, and many other mitzvah are also included in this category, and they all emanate from God's goodness and kindness. And so if it emanates from Him, and we are to, uh, to imitate Him, then we all are under this obligation to perform uh, these acts of goodness and kindness, just as God Himself performs acts of goodness and kindness toward us. He goes on to say, He has therefore also commanded us to come to the aid of our fellow man in every way possible, and says, Hence I refrain from enumerating all the other instances. In other words, there, there are so many instances that you find in the Torah, in the Tanakh, uh, people performing acts of Chesed, that there are numerous. Uh, I think that there was a book that I haven't mentioned yet, but I get the name of it. It's actually uh, a book that you can go through your Torah uh, study classes with. I mean, you know, the the weekly parshes. And it actually picks out sections that deal specifically with Chesed. It's kinda of nice to look at because as you go through your partial readings, if you refer back to this one, it's kinda of nice to see something that maybe we just might overlook and and not see it or understand it in in a way that it's actually a a, a performance accessive. So, uh really next week I'll give you the name of the book and the author and you might be able to pick pick it up at your local bookstore if not you can always order it online so it's kind of nice to have just to see all these different acts of that's being performed uh, am I coming through ok Andy to add about now I cut it down some okay I thought maybe it was overdriving. I was looking at the little thing on the uh, let me see if I can get it up away from my mouth a little bit more too and that might help how's that Okay. Yeah, I just need to get away from my mouth a little bit more. Okay. So what the Kovacan is telling us in his introduction is that basically it's hard to turn a page or to go through very limited text without seeing acts of chesed, either performed by God for individuals or by individuals that have taken that obligation upon themselves and perform it for other individuals. And he has named us many, many, many in this introduction, starting back, of course, with God himself, and then looking at uh, Noah, looking at Noah's sons, looking at Abraham, and many others, even Moses, we are told. Now, remember, all this is pre-Sinai, and therefore, all these individuals must be uh, Ben Noah. And even though they did not have a commandment to perform, there seems to be this obligation and because there is an obligation these men decided that they would take that obligation upon themselves and imitate their creator which is uh, what we should all be doing in some way if we understand how he acts then we should act as he acts. Now at the bottom page of uh, the book in page 26 in the Al- Hasid by Kovacs County says from what has been cited Above, the intelligent reader will be able to appreciate that the holy virtue of chesed is of such supreme importance that the entire Torah is pervaded by it. And of course, just remember that uh, we're told by the sages that the uh, Torah begins with an act of chesed and it ends with an act of chesed. So, uh, in between those two acts, there are many many acts of chesed that are performed. And so because it is pervaded by uh, throughout the text of the Torah and the Tanakh, then he says, How tenaciously should one cling to this holy trait and not weaken his hold of all the days of his life on earth? In this connection, the Torah states in Devarim chapter 19, verse 9, to walk in his ways all the days. And again, that is to what? To imitate the creator. If he performs acts of chesed and certainly he has and he continues to, then we should be imitating him and performing acts of chesed also. He goes on to say, what does this really mean? He says, meaning that one should not be satisfied with the occasional performance of an act of chesed once a month or once a week as we shall explain later on, in part 2 in chapter 12. But it is also necessary to be familiar with the laws governing the exercise of this virtue. In other words, if we're going to perform chesed, then we have to know how to do it, uh, sometimes when to do it, uh, to whom shall we do it to, uh, all these different uh, laws that regulate and govern the idea of performing acts of chesed. Now he goes on to say, all the details pertain to the matters we have mentioned in the beginning of this introduction. First of all, however, the topic of free loans will be taken up since for it there is a specific of explicit scriptural command. Now this again is given to the people of Israel, uh, but if we're going to perform Acts of Chesed then this is one way that you can also perform this. So you might want to remember that this is an obligation that a then or Bat bad noise should take upon themselves, as others have as we have found that others throughout the context of priest uh, did, and they were performing those. But he says, if you would lend money to my people, he says, and we shall explain this by their own. But before we proceed to the actual laws as such, however, we shall give a general review of many negative commandments transgressed by one who habitually acts the miser and abstains from deeds of Hesed. So first thing he's going to do is actually give us uh, many of the negative commandments that we violate by not performing acts of Hesed. So number one, he says, it is written in the Torah in Devarim chapter 15, verse 9, be wired lest there be a base thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. You know. well gee, what's that base thought about, right? The suffering here remarks that beware unless each introduce a negative commandment. Hence two negative commandments order us not to abstain from lending to our neighbor in need. Now what would the year of the uh, in the seventh year, the seventh year of release what would why would it come within an individual's heart to beware and uh, why would he not want to loan uh, and violate the commandment during that period of time okay Andy says. Because in that year one does not sow crops, okay. But there's another reason. Let's say uh, you loan somebody some money uh, six months prior to the uh, prior to the when the the shemitah year begins. What happens then? Yes. Also, all debts are canceled. And so if you run into contact with someone, and let's say it's six months prior to the the year of Shemitah, and he asked you for a loan, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to grant it to him, or are you not going to grant it to him? Because at the year of release, you also do what? You also forgive all the debts. Okay. So this is what he's pointing out to us. because he says, hence two neighbor commandments order us not to abstain from lending to our neighbor in need for the fear of the Shemitah ordinance remitting debts. Scripture has termed the person guilty of such conduct a Baal or just a base person. And certainly when a person has the capacity to do good to another and he does not stand to lose his money, the sin of closing his fist against his lender to the neighbor is all the greater. So he's just telling us that if if this fear of the year of release, the fear of the debts being cancelled, uh, causes us not to loan money to an individual, then we become just a very base person. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the fact that we want to be rise above the baseness of things. We want to rise to the fact of uh, that we're a little bit more spiritual uh, than just any kind of based ideas within our, within our systems or our minds. OK? So that's one way that we actually can transgress uh, the laws once we've committed to this idea of chesed. Number two. Okay, Andy's got something here. Let's see what you got, Andy. Uh, so even though it may seem logical to the would-be lender that he may not be repaid for the Shemitah year, he's demonstrating lack of trust. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, of course, there's other uh, laws that um, will intervene in a situation like that. You know, somebody came to you two days prior to the, the when the Shemitah year began and asked for a loan. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's ways that you can actually still give that loan, and still expect to be paid back even after the end of the Shemitah year. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more, I think, uh, a little bit more detail about the laws than actually what we're looking at here. But the idea, I think, that the Copas kind of wants to put across to us is that when we have an opportunity, or whenever an opportunity presents to us, to do an act of chesed, we should do it. And we should not be in fear uh, that we're going to lose money if we perform an act of chesed. Now, OK, so we're still talking about these negative commandments, the ones that we transgress by not acting with chesed. So number two, occasionally, by refraining from doing a favor, one transgresses the negative commandment of, you shall not take vengeance. For instance, he had previously asked a favor of someone, either a loan of money or the like, and the other person had failed to help him. Now, that other person comes to him for a favor, and he gains his revenge, repaying that person by refusing to him, or by excuse me, by refusing to help him. Now, what we have is a case where, of course, as he very specifically points out, that one gentleman came to one gentleman at some given point in time and asked for a favor and the other gentleman had turned him down well the gentleman that turned him down now goes to the same guy that had asked him for a favor asked him for a favor and he doesn't grant it either why because he simply repaying that person by refusing to help him now he says in this case by refraining from doing a favor, the person transgresses the commandment found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you shall not take vengeance. In other words, just because that, that person has refused to help you, gives you absolutely no right to refuse him when he asks a favor of you. because you are not entitled to, uh, to get revenge on that individual. And that's exactly what is happening at that point. OK? So he reminds us, he says, you shall not take vengeance if through this hatred of that person he spreads the report in the city that the other person is not reliable thereby discouraging others from granting the loan that person requires, he transgresses all the more. So if you refuse, and then you go around spreading lies, or maybe even truths, (laughs) about the individual that he's not a reliable individual, and that if you make this person a loan, that he's never going to repay you. Uh, And by doing so, he begins to discourage other people from performing an act of chesed, and he tells us that this person, by not even doing a favor that he's asked, but now he's discouraging others, he transgresses, he says, all the more. So he says, in addition to violating the two prohibitions against taking revenge and bearing a grudge, he transgresses the commandment forbidding slander, or lashon hara since here he attacks the person's very life. In other words, his livelihood is dependent sometimes upon one's reputation. And if you defame that individual's reputation, then you've taken his livelihood away from him. And so not only have you violated two commandments, now you've violated three commandments. uh, And and the list will go on and on. He says, furthermore, even if he had helped that other person, but rebuked him by saying, I am not like you, you did not help me. He violates the prohibition of Leviticus 19.18, you shall bear no grudge. In other words, if the individual came to you that you had asked to help you in the past, and he refused, and if he comes and asks a favor of you, And even though you went ahead and did the favor, but you rebuked him by saying, uh, I'm not like you, I'm going to go ahead and help you, I'm going to show you how benevolent I really am, you're still violating God's laws. Why? Because he says, you shall bear no grudge. And just by the sound of those words, you know the individual is actually bearing a grudge, and therefore he is violating the law. So he says, you shall bear no grudge, since he has shown here that he still harbors the hate in his heart. He should erase his ill feeling and live with a perfect heart, reflecting that all the affairs of this world are vain and worthless, not important enough to arouse the desire for revenge and grudges. Now that's really hard, isn't it? As an individual, for us usually, uh, we would like people to act toward us, hopefully, the way that we act toward them. If we act with chesed, we would certainly desire uh, and wish that people would act the same way. But that's not always the case. Now the real question becomes, does that keep us or prevent us from continuing to act with chesed? Of course not. Because the moment that we do, we are just living in simply in the instinctual life. We're living like all the other human beings, and we're not reflecting uh, the intellect of man at all. And the intellect's what makes us uh, superior. That we know God's laws, that we perform God's laws, and that we're not afraid that if we loan somebody money, that we'll never see it again. Uh, and, and in fact, let me tell you. Uh, for just personally sometimes. This is the way I approach things. I guess uh, maybe uh, may not be exactly right, (laughs) but I'm assuming this is the way maybe a lot of people approach things. When people approach me sometimes about uh, helping them, uh, when they ask me for a loan sometimes, then I grant them that loan. Now, if, if it's not going to harm my family, if it's not going to take away from paying my own bills and so forth, I will grant that individual that loan. Now, i tell you what I do in my mind. In my mind, I always see this loan as a gift. Now, if the individual pays me back, then I praise Hashem because now I have Uh, money that's left over that I might be able to loan to somebody else. But first and foremost, I just basically see it as a gift. And if it's a gift, then there's really no expectation of it being repaid. Uh, If the individual repays it, uh, then it's all the more better because then you just simply have uh, more money that you can actually loan to somebody else or you can give to somebody else uh, that needs help. Okay. Now, you know, that's kind of the way I look at things. Uh, and I think maybe that kinda of, it really kinda of helps you when you're dealing with individuals that maybe you think are not so trustworthy, maybe they're not going to pay me back. Well don't worry about getting paid back. And 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 on the bottom line of it all is, as Covitskin points out to us here, that when you reflect that all the affairs of the world are vain and worthless Right? Not important enough to arouse a desire to, to revenge and grudges. In other words, there's nothing worth violating God's Torah. In other words, there's no reason why we should uh give in to violation of God's Torah. There's there's nothing material uh in this world that is worth that. Now some people will I'm sure there's a lot of materialistic people that would totally disagree with me. But nevertheless, there is really nothing in this world that's worth violating God's commandments. Okay, and that's basically what he's referring to here. Now, number three, and he's still talking about how we violate negative command, or violate commandments by not performing acts of chesed. He goes on to say, he says, if the person who asks for a loan is liable to be in danger if his request is refused. If he lends the money to prevent robbers attacking him, then whoever refuses to help in such a case would violate the additional prohibition found in uh, Leviticus 19.16, neither shall you stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. of course, what he's saying here, uh, if we don't get the picture really clear, he's talking about an individual. That asks for a loan, uh, that he is uh, maybe not so much in imminent danger, but he's in some kind of danger, right? Because he says, for a loan is liable to be in danger if his request is refused. If he needs money to prevent robbers attacking him, in other words, uh, these people are saying to him, you know, we're going to beat you up if you don't give us. Uh, your money or, or maybe so much money and he doesn't have that and he's asking you to lend him the money to pay these individuals so that they won't attack him then he says what about the person if he refuses you know, to help this individual he said whoever refuses to help in such a case would violate the additional prohibition that we find in Leviticus 19 16 neither shall you stand idly by the blood of your neighbor." Now here he says, we have been warned against remaining indifferent to our friend when his life is in danger, and we have the means to save him in one way or another. In other words, when we see people in dangerous situations, we should respond Uh, if it takes giving Money, if it takes uh, just an act of chesed on our part, whether it's by doing something, uh, by helping him somehow physically, or or lending him money so that he would be able to um, uh, to buy off these people that are going to, you know, that's probably going to beat him up, or maybe even uh, cripple him, or take his life, then we should respond to him. And and here's exactly what he's saying. And he says, furthermore. According to the McClellan, cited uh, by the bomb in his Sefer vote number 297, this prohibition also applies to the case where one is aware of something which might cause loss to his neighbor and he is able to prevent it. In other words, your neighbor doesn't even have to come to ask. If you are aware that something is about to happen to this individual that you can prevent then you should step in and prevent it. Again, we're still talking about acts of chesed, right? Now he goes on to say if he fails to help, he commits the transgression. This applies to our case too, if one knows that his friend, rich or poor, doesn't make any difference. There is no distinction here. In other words, the Torah doesn't distinguish between Uh, social status, whether he happens to be a rich person or whether he happens to be a poor person, is liable to incur a substantial loss as happens nowadays when a loan falls due as it is well known, and by a loan given now we can save his friend, then if he fails to help, he violates this prohibition. Okay. Now he says, we shall enumerate the positive commandments which the niggardly person who refrains from doing chesed is liable to transgress. Okay? Law number one, or excuse me, point number one. He violates the command of the Torah in Devarim twenty and verse 9. And you shall walk in all his ways. Now remember, This is this whole idea that even though a Ben or a Noah does not have a commandment of Chesed uh, as the people of Israel, but he certainly has an obligation. And the obligation is understood because we understand the favor of God that has been given us, and also that we are to imitate our Creator. uh, And since, by the way, he says, and ye shall walk in his ways. Well his ways are ways of what? When God came to Abraham and revealed to him that he was about to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he says something about Abraham that's very interesting. Anybody remember what he says in the conversation to Abraham? He actually he actually tells us what he knows to be true of Abraham. Does anybody know what he says? Now remember this is just prior to the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham actually engages. Okay, you're thinking, Andy. I think it's in Brachis chapter 18. That's where the discussion takes place it's almost like uh, uh, being able to somehow read the mind of God because he's actually thinking out loud for us and so he says and I'll give you the first maybe two or three words I know Abraham now when God says I know someone (laughs) uh, he, he pretty much knows us right so he says I know Abraham you know the rest of it Andy Or anybody else as far as that's concerned okay well I'll give you a minute uh, because it's, it's kind of no, nice to know these sources and also understand that this goes you know chesed goes all the way back um, to the very beginning of brush sheet of course and with all the individuals uh, and again, all the ones that we looked at in the last week or so were all pre-Sinai. And and of course, even Abraham. Uh, most people might say he's a Jew, but he's not because there's no such thing as a Jew at that point in time in history. Abraham was a Ben-Noah. Uh, some might say that he was actually kind of a prototype Jew, and I think that's probably okay to say. But he's certainly not Jewish. He's a Ben-Noah. Uh, Yitzhak, his son, was not a Jew, he was a Ben Noah. Now Chob was a Ben Noah. And even Moshe Rabinu was also a Ben Noah because, of course, uh, he was 80 years old before the event at Sinai took place. And the event at Sinai, all of a sudden, we have B'nai Yisrael and so uh, some of those people lived as Ben-Noah many, many years before they became actually ben A Yisrael and all the other laws that were given to them uh, so that they would perfect themselves more and more and become a light unto the nations and a priesthood to the whole world. Uh, found it yet, Andy? I was giving you some time. <coughs> getting close okay that's when uh, right before the gentleman leave to go to Sodom and Gomorrah after they've spoken to Abraham and have given him of course a promise about uh, uh, of the child that's going to be born from him and Sarah and that's before Abraham actually gets into the discussion about how many righteous men would it take to save uh, the unrighteous. and So God's kind of thinking out loud for us letting us know his thoughts and he says okay should I tell Abraham, should I reveal to Abraham this thing? And so he says I know Abraham getting closer I think I get should give you enough hints to the text to get you in the right place anyway yes okay we're in the right place now so all of a sudden uh, we're a toe That God says, I know Abraham, and I can't remember which translation I'm actually translating or or quoting from, but you just bear with me. He says, I know Abraham, and I know that he will teach his household and his children the ways of Hashem. And he says the ways of Hashem are Mishpatim and Zadokah. Now, charity falls under the idea of Zadokah. And in fact, it is even greater than Zadaka, but it comes under that heading, OK? So what we find out is that Abraham, Ben Noah, uh, understands clearly uh, the ways of Hashem, yeah, Genesis 18, 19. And, and he understands that, that part of that, of course, is justice, mishpatim, uh, which, by the way, would fall under what if, if we're talking about the seven laws? But certainly, the commandment of what establishing courts of justice would come under that heading. Exactly, the commandment of den or the commandment of uh, establishing courts of justice. Now, but he also goes to tell us that uh, that Abraham will continue to teach his household and his children uh, these ways, and and we see this by the way. We see uh, Abraham's children. <clears throat> excuse me uh, continuing to follow in the ways of Mishpatim and Zadaka and, and Chesed uh, and, and we're reminded of that consistently and constantly why because this these are the ways of Hashem this is the way Hashem acts and if we're going to uh, imitate Hashem uh, I think there's an old proverb that says uh, the highest form of flattery is imitation uh, <clears throat> Some people don't like that sometimes, but but in reality, if we're imitating someone, it must be either because we uh, have a great respect for them, or maybe sometimes we disrespect them by doing that. But if, if, if we're doing it for the other reason, for having great respect, if we have great respect for Hashem, if we stand in awe of Him. And, and then we should do what because of that? Then we should imitate him. And if we understand his ways, then we should put those ways into practice in our own lives. Okay, So it starts with uh, uh, an act of chesed by God to grant to every human being life. Uh, and you say, well, how did Abraham understand? Where did he get all this understanding about the justice, the mishpatim, and the um and the uh, Zadokah and Chesed. Where does he get all this? Because we have to remember that Abraham didn't have a book. He didn't have the Torah but yet he is able to understand the ways of Hashem. Now if Abraham's able to understand that then every human being and, and I can't stress this enough Every human being has the same potential. And so there's no one, nowhere on this earth. Now, I'm talking about a person that is uh, not mentally handicapped, but any person on the face of this earth, any place, anywhere, can come to the conclusion that there's only one God, and that eventually that individual can learn the ways of God and to imitate him apart from having a book, apart from having a Torah. Abraham was uh, performing the laws of God simply by imitating him knowing his ways and then putting those ways into practice and of course uh, Chesed was the way in which he chose uh, to serve God. Okay, Now uh, Let's get back to where we're at. We're on page uh, 29 in the introduction. We we might get, no, we're not even going to get close to getting through it today. But that's okay. We're not in any big hurry. The one thing that we want to know is, and is simply to learn. Uh, Whether we do it fast or we do it slow, it doesn't make any difference. But the main thing is to be able to learn something, right? And then be able to go out and to perform what we uh, have learned. So here he begins to tell us about what what happens when we refrain from doing Hesed and we are liable to transgress, he says. First of all, he says, uh, we transgress the commandment in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 9, and you shall walk in his ways. And of course, Abraham was certainly walking in his ways. Uh, he, he was to teach his household and his children those ways. And so he says, we are obligated, there's that word, obligated, we are obligated by this overall injunction to follow the attributes of God, all of which consist in doing good to others. As Kazal has laid down in Tractate Sota fourteen A, as he is merciful, so you be merciful, as he is gracious, so you be gracious. Now see it's not really a commandment, right? And you shall walk in his ways. Well, it is and it isn't. But it's funny that the Kofas uses the word here, obligation. It becomes an obligate. We're obligated under this overall injunction to walk in the ways of Hashem, right? And as the sages have said, uh, and that's what the word chazal, for those that uh, are listening to this class and did not know, is Uh, the sages that we find in the Talmud. okay, It's just another way of saying the sages of the Talmud or just say Kazal. So the sages of the Talmud tell us as he is merciful so you be merciful. As he is gracious so you be gracious. And so reference to the other virtues as well. In other words whatever virtues that God um, tells us about about himself, then we are to perform those virtues. The Rambam has quoted the entire passage in his Sefer HaMitzvot number 8. The mitzvah of walking in the ways of Hashem is repeated eight times in Devere alone, as explained in the foreword. Eight times we are told. That's interesting. Uh, usually if Hashem says something one time I always tell people that should really perk your ears up. But if he says something eight times within a very few uh, verses, a very short section of one book, that should really get our attention. So every one of us uh, should be walking in the ways of Hashem. And he goes on to explain, by the way, he says, Whoever refrains from doing good to his fellow man, without just cause, transgress this positive commandment which God has many times ordered us to obey. In other words, we are to walk in his ways, to imitate him, and if he performs acts of graciousness, if he performs acts of mercy, then we are to perform those acts just as he performs those toward human beings, we should also perform those toward our fellow human beings. Okay, And if we don't, then we are in violation not only of negative commandments, but as he points out to us here, now we're in violation of positive commandments. Okay, uh, We'll take one more of the commandments here, number two, and that'll be about all we'll probably get through today. Okay, number two. One further violates the specific spiritual commandment to perform acts of chesed, Exodus 18.20. Now let me say, this is specifically for the people of Israel. But if a ben Noah, and we've already pretty much substantiated the fact that a ben Noah is under an obligation, or Ben or Abot Noah, and it makes no difference, if we're under an obligation to perform chesed, then because of that obligation, we should begin to learn the laws. That regulate uh, acts of chesed, so that we'll know how to perform them, right? So we're told Exodus 18:20, and you shall show them the way wherein they must walk, where the way is taken by Chazal in Baba Kama 99b, and also in Baba Mitzia 30b, to indicate chesed. So Exodus 18:20 Is actually talking about, and you shall show them the way. Well, the word the way here is actually understood as chesed. Okay? Now, the inference is derived from the definite article the, which has no specific reference and must therefore signify the well-trodden path along which our forefather Abraham walked. and whose entire life was bound up with the virtue of Chesed, as everyone knows. Now remember, God had already reminded us in Genesis or Bereishit, chapter eighteen, and verse nineteen, that He knew Abraham, and that He knew that Abraham would relay these specific teachings onto His. Uh, future prodigy, his future generations. And those are specifically the ways of Hashem, and it is Mishpatim, Zadaka, and Chesed which comes out of that. And as the Copas kind points out to us, that it is Abraham that walked in these ways, and whose entire life was bound up with the virtue of Chesed, and he points out, as everyone knows, this Admission includes all the types of kindness arising in personal relationships. Also, again, with chesed extended with one's person visiting the sick. That's actually an act of chesed, by the way. I know most of us don't like to, to go to hospitals, uh, and I'm talking, I guess, maybe particularly about myself. Uh, but uh, it is an act of chesed to go and visit those that are sick. Uh, next he says, burying the dead. Now there's not too many of us that likes to go to uh, graveyards or to funeral services. But again, these are also considered as acts of chesed. Right? And in fact, burying the dead is one of those acts that's actually a very benevolent act if we do it with the right intent, because the individual, if we help in the bearing of that individual, this individual can never repay us for what we have done for him. It's a true act of true benevolence. Okay? Now, and he says there's many others, by the way, etc., as is explained in the Gomorrah. Now, excuse me, nor is the Gamluk Chesed performed of one's possessions but by means excluded from this rule. In other words, acts of chesed are not just done with one's possessions. In other words, not just performed with money. But it is also performed by other means, which do what? Which include uh, visiting the sick. You don't have to have money to do that. You don't have to give money to do that. You don't have to loan money to do that. Uh helping bury the dead. Uh sometimes it might involve in you know, giving some money to help bury someone. Uh but not always. Uh did you have a question, Andy? I see you had your mic on. Is it working today? I'll let you have it if you got a question. You think it's working? Or are you just testing it? okay hang on I'll let you see if you can get it okay it's still not working Andy Uh, you're gonna have to upgrade apparently there (laughs) or Barya Adams maybe okay uh, so again it's not always just what we have what we can do with our possessions, you know, our finances. Okay. It seems that with these commandments and examples that the default behavior is to always have a spirit of hesitancy Yes, I totally agree. And it's only the short list that informs us of when to be more circumspect, weary or even refused. In other words, it is only the exception the occasional instance when we withhold chesed. Uh, totally. Uh, the thing about studying you know, the laws concerning chesed, it actually gives us an idea of what is really considered chesed by Hashem. And then how do we perform it? Uh, who do we perform it to? And then your second statement, rather than performing chesed occasion withholding constantly, we should perform constantly and withhold only when occasion demands it. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, we should be seeking uh, ways of performing acts of chesed. You know, every day. Uh, there's a statement in the book of Eo, which uh, uh, well, we're pretty close out of time. But uh, next week, I'm going to bring the statement up from the book of Eo, and I think everybody might be aware of it. But if you're not, uh, it's a wonderful statement. He talks about putting on righteousness and putting on justice. But when we see, when he, I mean, he, he calls it a certain amount of clothing. It's like something that he adorns himself with every day. And I'd rather have the text here in front of me to explain it to you. But what we find out is that even Eov understood this idea of chesed and, and the performance of it drove him every day. To go out and and to find people. If he couldn't, if he didn't see see someone uh, directly, uh, closely to him that uh, he could perform these acts of chesed for, he would actually go looking for someone, uh, and and find somebody that he could perform these acts. So you're right, Andy. Uh, I I think it's uh, uh, performing not just performing, uh, you know, occasionally acts of chesed. Uh, but performing constantly. I mean, this is this is Abraham's life, and if we understand that Abraham is uh, imitating Hashem in this way and walking in His ways, then it would be every opportunity that we that we come across to perform an act of chesed, then we should jump to it. When somebody's sick in the hospital, we should jump and go, even though sometimes it may not be uh, it goes against our grain. I'm sure. That Abraham was not just, uh, you know, not just an individual that possessed a personality that could just do chesed, and in fact, I would say that his his whole personality probably went against it. That's why he chose that virtue in his service for Hashem. Uh, and so the next time that we know someone's in the hospital sick, we should jump up and and go visit them. If there's uh, someone we know that or maybe someone that we don't even know that uh, needs to be buried then we should actively participate in those things and those are all considered acts of chesed okay? uh... so our time's about up today so what we'll do is god willing next week uh... we'll pick back up in our discussion on ahava uh, chesed and our, we're using uh... the book by Chofetz Kain as our textbook and of course we've looked at some of the other sources And we'll pull some other sources in as we go along. But just understanding uh, the importance of chesed and that we go out and perform as individuals. Why? Because these these acts of chesed are part of the ways of Hashem. And we should be looking at all occasions and all ways uh, to perform those. So if there's no questions or comments, We'll go ahead and close out this session. Okay. Uh, do you have the book, the Kofis Khan's book, the Ahava Chesed? Okay. Well, I'm I'm going through his book. It's probably the the best book just on the laws of uh, Ahava Chesed. Uh, It's available, uh, I'm sure, in many bookstores. It's available online in many places. Uh, It outlines, and I I, I don't want to say briefly because there's nothing briefly about it, but it gives uh, a very clear, in-depth look at chesed uh, being performed uh, throughout the texts of the Torah. It gives us the laws of when we should do it, how we should do it, where we should do it, Uh, so forth and so on so I would recommend if you uh, uh, but sometime between now and next week if you come back in the class uh, if you could get hold of this little book it's very inexpensive by the way you can order these uh, from uh, it's the Torah Classic Library I think you can get these from Felheim and Felheim actually has a 20 percent off sale at this moment and so these books should be relatively inexpensive if you like to order one uh, yeah well you can get them through that one that Andy just put or if you can go through uh, Felheim you might want to check out uh, I don't know exactly what the web address is but if you just type in a search for Felheim I think the twenty percent sale maybe is on for a couple more days so you might want to check that out it's Ahava uh, Hesed. Uh, The Love of Chesed uh, by the Kofitz Khan. And it comes in, I've only saw it kind of like in a little pocket-sized book. But it is probably the best thing I've ever saw, just on the elucidation of the idea of Chesed and the laws that that are implied in the Torah within the system of Chesed. Okay? I hope that helps. If there's as as any more questions or comments that I can help anyone with, okay. Like I said, if you just type in Felheim, uh, that you, like I said, they got a 20% off, and I think it's for today and tomorrow. And if you get your order in, I've, these books I think are only like 10 or 11 bucks, so if you got your order in 20% off, it would be 7 or 8, I guess, something like that. Okay. Uh, you can also order them, by the way, from uh, from Ray at No Light Nations. Uh, so there's many places that you can get the books. Hopefully you'll get one if you want to, uh, especially if you want to understand about the ideas of uh, of Chesed. OK, and if there's no questions or any other comments, and God willing, we'll see you all next week at the same time. And we will continue our study in the uh, ideas of the Kovach Khan and Hava Chesed.